Hey guys, and welcome to episode number 247 of the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my newest book, The Family Garden Plan, which if you are looking to grow more of your own food this year than last year, whether that means you are a beginner gardener or an advanced gardener, you are going to want to get your hands on a copy of that book. At the time of this recording, there is a lot of concern over the food supply because none of us really know what's going to happen with the whole coronavirus. But the good news is that this is the best time of year. I know that sounds kind of funny, but I truly am. The glass is half full. There's always a silver lining. And honest to goodness, this time of year is the best year that something like this could happen because there is plenty of time, no matter where you live, basically in any climate in the Northern Hemisphere where we're going into spring right now, to still plant your garden. There's still time to seed start. There's still time to put in fruit trees and berry plants and elderberries your flowering medicinal herbs, your herbal plants, your perennials, and of course your annual vegetable garden. Like there is, there's so much time that it really is best because if this were to have happened later, say like midsummer or even end of summer or at the beginning of fall, we would have been looking at a lot, a lot longer time before you could really plant a lot of your own food and have it ready. So In light of that, today's episode is a bonus episode. I don't normally, um, I've done been doing a couple of different bonus episodes. And so today is a bonus episode where I'm actually answering quite a few of your guys' questions. I did a post on Instagram, on my Instagram stories. And I said, what are your questions around raising your own food? Let me know what they are and I'm going to answer them. And so I was able to answer a lot via the Instagram stories. But oh my goodness, people had so many questions questions that I thought I'm going to bring it here to the podcast. I wasn't able to get to all of the questions. And I figured if some people had those questions then a lot more people have those questions as well. So we're just going to kind of do this bonus, not really edited, not highly polished um, podcast episode to get you this information and to help people grow more of their own food. Now, before I dive into this, I want to say if you have not signed up and registered yet for your seat in the free organic gardening workshop, please go do so. It's completely free. It's going to be six days of videos that you can watch that are going to walk you through the step by step video tutorials from me and not only me, but six other very experienced gardeners who have been living this way of life and raising our own food for years, if not decades, like myself and several of the presenters. And so the beautiful thing about this is the work that we put in to raising our garden and our own food really doesn't matter what ends up happening or not happening with as all of this stuff with the coronavirus rolls out we will be well served by our garden regardless. So go to melissaknorris.com forward slash workshop, get registered, and then I will be sending you the links each day to that day's videos. The videos will go live at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and they'll be up until the following day. So you have 24 hours to watch that day's videos totally for free, and then the next set will go up. So get, get yourself over there and get registered and share that 
with so many people need this information. But some of the stuff of the questions, we're going to dive straight into it, okay? And one of the questions that I had was from somebody who said, what if I need food right now? My, I'm not able to get to the grocery store and my grocery store doesn't have a lot of food. So one of the things that you can do right now, no matter where you live in the country, is you can grow for a fresh green vegetable to get right away is sprouts and or microgreens. So sprouts, you can sprout any type of seed. Oftentimes people think that you need a specific seed to sprout, but any vegetable seed you can sprout. You're going to put it, I just use a wide mouth quart size mason jar and I put about, oh, I just kind of fill up the bottom. I don't really measure it. Now, I actually have a video in the organic gardening workshop that you'll see where I go step by step and you can actually see, but I'll put maybe like a quarter cup you don't want to fill the container really up more than a quarter or halfway, whatever size you're doing with seeds, because as those sprouts sprout and begin to sprout and grow, you'll quickly run out of room and then it's harder to get them rinsed. So I would do about a quarter of the way, which would be um, if you're on a quart size jar, a quarter of the way up would be one cup because there's four cups in a quart. You can even do less than that. So you can kind of kind of just use your best judgment. But the great thing is all you do is you put the seeds in the jar fill it with water and let it soak for eight hours and then strain it out. I have a little lid that goes on. You can get sprouting lids that are pretty inexpensive and it's basically like screwing on a little colander or sieve on the top of it. And then you can just turn it upside down to let the water drain out, but you trap the seeds inside the jar. But you can use a coffee filter. You can use cheesecloth, anything like that, as long as the water will pass through it, but it'll trap the seeds inside the jar. You're good to go. So you let them soak for eight hours, strain them out, and then you need to rinse them two to three times a day. And each time you're rinsing them with the water, then you're draining, straining the water out. And within three days, those little babies will be sprouting. I let mine go between three and four days. Towards the fourth day, I have a little bit more green on them. And then I just put them in the fridge. So in literally three days time, no soil, no grow light, a mason jar on the kitchen shelf, you have got fresh greens to eat. Now, is this going to feed your family entirely? No, but it is a way to get some fresh green vegetables. It's a great thing to have the kids become a part of. If you're like me in many states, my children are out of school. All public schools have been canceled. Restaurants actually and bars, you can do takeout or drive in, but you cannot go inside and do sit down eating. Now, we don't do a lot of eating from restaurants anyways, but I'm just saying that a lot of things are changing. People are home a lot more. And so this can be a great thing so that you do have some fresh greens. You can add it to sandwiches. You can put them on salads. Um, you can even top it on top of a soup if you wanted to. But and you can use lots of different types of seeds. Like I said, you can do broccoli has a lot of really good nutrients in a broccoli sprouts. A lot of great things there nutritional wise. You can do mustard greens or wasabi if you want to add a little heat and a little bit of spice. Um, you can do all the different radishes or another great one. But any really seed, you're just letting it get into the sprouting stage and then you're going to pop it into the fridge. And mine will stay in the fridge usually pretty good for about a week. We usually eat them within that time. And so I kind of just keep going and rotating through. But it's a quick and easy way for you to get almost immediate in gardening speaking food for your family. Then we've got microgreens. So microgreens are where you're just using a little bit of soil and you're letting them go to a further state than sprouting. So you do have dirt, 
but you don't really have to use a grow light because we're not going to be letting them develop a big root system and grow to the point that they would actually really produce anything. But we're letting them get a couple two to three sets of true leaves on them. And then the same thing, you're just going to harvest them usually about two to three weeks. They'll be ready to go. And then you will use them again. You can use them in salads and on sandwiches, you know, anything where you would be using any type of green or lettuce. But it's a great way to get fresh greens growing because you can do it any time of the year, but especially in areas that it's still a little bit too cold out. Maybe you have snow on the ground or it's too cold to really be planting crops. So you're not ready. You don't have garden beds yet. Something you're going to be doing this year, but you really want to feel like you want to start doing something now to help supplementing the groceries you do have. Those are some easy peasy things that you can do. Now, I also got some questions coming through about where I order seeds. I've got an entire post for you. I've got a blog post on where to buy heirloom seeds as well as a podcast episode. So you guys can snag that. I will have today's all the links um, and things that I'm resourcing if you want to go where they're all in one spot. So you can just click on a link. You can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 247 because this is episode number 247. And I'll have links going out to everything. But I have podcast episode number 228 is where to buy heirloom seeds. And I dive into heirloom hybrid and GMO differences on your seeds and the places that I order seeds. Because I would say that is then if you don't have your garden seeds for this year, that's something that you want to jump on right now. And heirloom seeds are excellent for so many reasons, but especially in this type of situation where we just don't know what's going to happen. If you have heirloom seeds, then my friend, you can seed save those so that you have seed for next year's garden. So it's something that I, I highly recommend doing and getting yourself some of those heirloom seeds. And you can also use those same seeds that you're getting for your garden, order a few packs extra. Seeds are pretty inexpensive. And then you'll have seeds for doing your microgreens and your sprouting. Now, I get a lot of questions about seed starting. Can I start seed starting now, even if it's too cold for me to plant out? And I did a YouTube video that's going live today. So you can go over to youtube.com forward slash Melissa to my YouTube channel. And I'm going to walk you through some different seed starting stuff there. But I will give you a brief encapsulation within this podcast episode. And that is... With seed starting, one, it revolves around if it's a warm weather or cool weather crop. So will it handle and tolerate cold temperatures and some frost? That means it's a cool weather. Barassica crops think things like onions, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, those types of things. They will tolerate some frost. Then you've got your warm weather crops that are things like green beans, summer squash, winter squash, corn, tomatoes, peppers. They don't tolerate any type of frost. It, it will kill them. So we have those kind of two distinctions overall when it comes to seed starting and your last average frost date in the spring. So for like your tomatoes and peppers, starting seeds indoors all revolves around and so does your planting date outside and direct sowing but it all revolves around that first average frost date in the springtime excuse me your last average frost date in the springtime when you have your last frost so for tomatoes and peppers you're going to be starting your seeds indoors usually about eight weeks before that last frost date but you can't plant them outdoors safely until about two to three weeks after that last frost so that it's warm enough at night and there's no danger of a sneaky frost coming in and, and just kind of coming in there and killing them. 
So if you start them too soon, the problem is they're going to become root bound before you can safely plant them outdoors. And that is actually just as harmful as not getting them started soon enough. So it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. Like you can start them too early. You're going to have issues. If you start them too late, then you're cutting short your growing period and how soon you're going to harvest. You really need to stay in that window. So starting them early isn't advantageous because you're going to have to have bigger containers and you're going to have to have more soil and you're going to have to keep repotting them into bigger and bigger containers so that they don't become root bound by the time it's actually safe for you to plant them outdoors. Now your cool weather crops most of those, if you're going to be starting them indoors, is about four weeks, sometimes six. It just depends, even within your brassicas and your cool weather crops. About six weeks on average, but you really ideally want to be looking up each individual one and seeing if you're starting it indoors, the recommended guidelines. Some are six weeks, some are seven weeks, some are eight weeks, some are only four weeks before that last average frost date. If you have a copy of my book, The Family Garden Plan, there's a detailed chart, alphabetical order that walks you through all of this on your seed starting, how many weeks before your frost dates for spring crops, if you're going to be planting fall crops when to start them indoors, when to transplant them, and when to direct. So like it's all done there for you, that entire entire chart. You just look up what you're wanting to grow and it gives you all of those dates. If you want to start some of those cold weather crops earlier, I would say start cold weather crops earlier rather than warm weather crops. And here's the reason for that. <laughs> because the cold weather crops, if you use a cold frame, you don't have to have a heated greenhouse. And with the use of a cold frame, you can plant those cold weather crops out about two weeks earlier than you could without one. And because they are small in the spring, these are still relatively small starts, you can use upside down mason jars. You can use anything that's clear and will trap in the warmth. And at night, you'd put it over that if you knew a frost was coming in. There are some really fairly inexpensive row covers that I just reuse that I use as a frost tunnel. I've put my onions out two weeks early by using that. You can use Rubbermaid, you know, those clear plastic storage totes. You can use milk jugs, anything that will have contact with the ground all the way around. So it, you know, not a hard seal, but it kind of seals up at night to trap the warmth. You will buy yourself about five degrees overnight at the lowest temperature which five degrees is a big deal because a lot of those plants will be hardy down to about 28 degrees for onions. But if it dips down below that, like 25, it could kill them. Well, that buys you, like I said, about two to three weeks time on those cool weather crops. And by the time then you reach the point where you're not having to worry about that anymore, when you would be normally putting them out, the plants are big enough and you can just move off these little small covers that you've got, these small cold frames and you've gotten them in the ground about three weeks earlier. So if you're gonna try and seed start anything early, I would say stick to your cool weather crops. I would not recommend starting your warm weather crops a lot earlier just because of the complications that I already mentioned that you can run into. Some of the other questions that I got asked is, what about succession planting? And I love succession planting. Succession planting is where, like for things like lettuce, spinach, um, anything like that, that you're not really preserving a ton up of. Now, some people will go ahead and dehydrate spinach or freeze it. But it's something like where I can only eat so much lettuce in one week. And so you plant an amount that you think your family will eat for a week or two. And then that's all you plant at that time. But then 
two weeks later, you'll plant another small amount so that every two weeks you have whatever that crop is coming up and being full size and kind of renewing it. So if you do succession planting, which I do, I will succession plant a lot of things so that I'm always having it fresh in the garden coming up from spring all the way through fall. So that can be a great way to go. One of the other questions that I got is how to grow an organic garden. And what would be the first step of switching from conventional to organic gardening? So I do have some podcasts that dive into the organic gardening and what that means. But the, the short and skinny on that is to be organic, you're not using any synthetic pesticides or fertilizers. And so I would stop using them if you're using them and begin using crop rotation and companion planting because that helps to feed your soil so you don't have to fertilize as often. And then you are naturally cutting down on disease and pests by using both crop rotation and companion planting. Yay, big deal there. And then composting. Composting is then that you have no need. For, well, I shouldn't say you have no need. That was that was not quite a correct statement. If you're composting, you're going to be providing a lot of nutrients that your soil needs. And then you don't have to rely on synthetic fertilizers. But there's a lot of organic fertilizers out there and options that you can use if you need to add extra nitrogen and some of the different things, components of the micro and macronutrients in your soil. And if you're looking for more about that, I have got one for organic pest control is episode number 203. Um, I've got episode number 201. That's what is organic gardening and how to start an organic garden at home. And then I have episode 200, which is how to improve the health of your soil. And I also have some previous episodes about soil testing and amending your soil. So I will link to those in today's the blog post with the links to all of the different resources that I'm talking about. So you can dive in where you need to. So, okay, on to our next question here. Let me bring up my Instagram stories here so I can get through some of these. I did have a question on if we had ever done kale or, excuse me, I have done kale. I meant to say quail. <laughs> Those are very close. Quail and rabbits. And no, we have not. Now, my uncle raised rabbits. He was actually in a wheelchair and rabbits, because they're up in their hutches, was something that he could raise and butcher and care for um, easier than a lot of other forms of livestock. And so I've had rabbit, homegrown rabbit, a lot. Um, it's delicious. Honestly, it's you can't tell. I couldn't tell a whole much difference between it and chicken, truly. But I have not ever personally raised those items myself. How can I know to have enough planted so we eat from the garden only all year long? Well, honestly, it's very hard to eat only from the garden. But if you're looking for your fresh uh, not fresh, but fresh and preserved fruits and vegetables, because there are other things that we obviously raise our own meat as well. And there are some things that I still buy. I don't raise my own grain to grind my own flour yet. I might play with that this year. I'm going to kind of see where we are with everything. But I've got charts on how much to plant per person on average for a year's worth of food. I'm also going to be doing a special growing your own food partnership with Homesteaders of America, where we're going to have a bunch of us are getting together and doing videos for a linked series to help people know how to grow their own food, cook their own food. Some of those 
not just basic skills, but skill sets that you need to get through these times and be more self-sufficient. And one of the videos that I just got done recording that's going to be a part of that is knowing how much to grow for your family and which crops to focus on being nutrient and calorie dense and where you're going to get the biggest yield for the amount of space. But the skinny is I have charts and I've got a blog post podcast episode on it, how much to plant per person for years worth of food. But inside my book, The Family Garden Plan, my publisher is letting me give for free, you guys, the worksheet and the chart on how much for both, not just vegetables, which you'll, you can find sources that but for fruit as well. So how much fruit do you need to plant per fruit and berry type for per person for a year's worth of food? So you can go to familygardenplan.com and get that chart that's straight from the book and the worksheets for free. I recommend getting the whole book, but honestly, those charts are amazing resource tools and they're going to walk you through all of this all of what you need to know on how much to put in per person. The other question I got is, what was the best tomato variety to grow for canning? My personal favorite, if you've been hanging out with me for any amount of time, you know this, is the San Marzano Lungo Number no. 2, which is a heirloom Italian paste tomato. I got mine from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. They are in no way, shape, or form have they ever sponsored me. I have always purchased all of my seeds just from them. Not just from them, but this particular uh, tomato from them. So I would say... That's my favorite, but any type of paste tomato is going to be your best bet for food preservation. So a lot of people love an Amish paste. Roma is a paste tomato. Um, those are kind of the, the top three that come up often. I want to plant a large garden at some point. Where should I start? With the vegetables that you eat the most consistently or the most often and that grow well in your growing climate, that's where I recommend that everybody starts. Okay, guys, this was supposed to be a fast and quick, but there was a lot of info in there, and that was just some of the questions. And I will be doing some more bonus episodes during this time to get you information that you need and to help people. So if you've got questions or topics that you need to see covered, one there's a good chance that it's being covered in the organic gardening workshop. I know I keep talking about it, but it's true. <laughs> so make sure you get your seat at melissaknorris.com forward slash workshop. But I would also love to hear any questions. You can leave them in a review of the podcast. You can send me an email. You can shoot me a message on um, Instagram or Facebook. And I will do my best to hook you up. If it's an episode or a video that I've already done, then I will get you pointed in that direction. And if it's not something that I've covered or covered very in depth, then I will do my best. I'm going to, like I said, I'm recording extra YouTube videos. I normally put out one a week and I normally put out one podcast episode a week, but you're going to be getting extra ones of those as I can fit it in and get it out along with now being a homeschooling mama because both my kiddos are home. My kids were in public school, but again, in the state of Washington, all public schools are shut down for six weeks. So this is an interesting time for me as well. But today was our first day officially of homeschool and it went really well. It was actually I truly enjoyed myself. So who knows? It may become a new permanent thing at our house um, or might not. I don't know yet. We still have six weeks at the very least to see uh, where things go. So anyways, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I truly appreciate you. 
and I will be here with you in probably a few days with our next bonus episode, if not seeing you inside the videos of the Organic Gardening Workshop. Thank you.